Quantum Conversations, your portal to the inner realms. Access infinite possibilities, infinite mastery, and infinite love. Mind-expanding, heart-opening conversations with some of the greatest spiritual teachers, luminaries, and healers of today's world. Usher in new earth by living in your sacred heart. Quantum Conversations is brought to you by AcousticHealth.com, home of music from the universe, online healing retreats, and this program. Claim your free registration to daily shows at AcousticHealth.com. AcousticHealth.com, your portal to the inner realms. Our program starts shortly. Welcome to another Quantum Conversation, brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and I invite you to sit back as we enter the Quantum Realm, that space of the greater part of you. It is your connection to infinite possibilities, infinite potential, and infinite mastery. We welcome you to this episode of Quantum Conversations as we bring in new earth we are bringing in new earth it is dependent on us and the choices that we make and today we are talking about literally scraping off the old 3d and the 4d as we literally move into fifth dimensional energies and that brings us to the topic of light body and today my guest is going to share techniques for transitioning the physical body into light body it's a fascinating conversation with carly vernon who is a somatic mechanical engineer and an intuitive transformational alchemist and she is here to assist you on your journey into higher frequencies what a beautiful time to join in this conversation let's welcome carly vernon thank you for being here carly Hi, Lauren. Thank you for having me. We are excited to talk about light body. Let's check in. As we as we say that now it's a beautiful time to bring out the Zamboni for the bones, you say. That is so cute. We're going to talk about that process. In this time that we're in right now, this is an incredible opportunity. Can you share your perspective on the opportunity for growth and evolution? Well, I think um, that we are, the majority of us are unaware of the capabilities that we have at our um, disposal, what what we are able of uh, accomplishing. And um, I think part of what I, my intention is, is to Help people discover that, feel that inside of their own body. That you know, we can we can regenerate things, we can move things that we haven't moved, and there's a great sense of freedom in that. Yes, yes, the sense of freedom is here as we go through this what may seem chaotic shift, 
everything is up for grabs in the way it's recreated. So it's fascinating. And just everyone tune in more deeply now. So Carly, you, as we start to feel that in the body, we're going to experience that today in our show. I want to first talk about your experience. You're a yoga teacher, and I wonder if that is really what led you into the awakening process. That's a beautiful way to come into expanded consciousness and presence. Um, what, what happened in your life to draw you towards this work that you're doing today? Well, um, I, you know, we think all of the things that happen in our life are happen are happenstance until, you know, you fast forward 30 years and realize they all were uh, creating who you are. Um, and I, my, my first real experience with understanding um, that I could affect a change in people was back in the 80s when I became an esthetician and um, I would work on, you know, I would have clients there and of course they would like, they preferred the massage end. And then you fast forward years at later, um, motherhood and then uh, a failing marriage and I needed to find work and I went into um, massage. And so I am a certified yoga teacher, um, but really it's the massage therapy that was my gateway into understanding what I'm capable of doing and what the body is capable of doing, and also the restrictions and, um, and the, uh, the the effect that scar tissue has on the body. And so. Um, I was practicing yoga and going to school for massage. And the combination of the two was profound for me. And through the the journey of while I was going through my asana practice and tying the muscles to the moves, I was riding these waves, these emotional waves. That's my dog coughing in the back there, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> riding these waves that... Um, I realized I was processing things that I, I didn't know were buried really deep in in my being. And, and so um, I think it was really there. You know, it started when I was very, very young, but it was there in my um, in my early 40s that was the point where I started to realize that I needed to step into this. And um, it was scary, right? Because you're stepping into the unknown. <laughs> mm -hmm. I had the benefit of, uh, you know, starting a massage practice. And so I started working on other people's bodies. And um, the more I studied the human body and worked with people um, and, st and started to see the, my own restrictions, I just went on this journey to understand it because the things I was learning, the things I was being taught, I get to a point and it would make sense and then it wouldn't make sense anymore. Something, you know, the way the body was being taught, it didn't make sense. It didn't click with me. Some of that was entanglements with scar tissue, um, but some of it was also the limited way that we learn and have learned. It wasn't limiting at the time that we learned it, right, but we evolve, we evolve in our learning. And so um, 
I started to see that I could see inside the body of people when I would work on them. And um, that's kind of where this story can really branch off. So I'll probably stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. So let's um, talk about a couple of things there. Beautiful that you bring together that awakening from the massage therapy and your understanding of the body really and how it can change and the yoga, your own experience of moving the body. So the effect of scar tissue, what do you notice about the effect of scar tissue? And this is from, gosh, surgery or uh, anything, right? Uh, Other, anything that could cause a scar. What's going on there? Well, um, so scar tissue is, uh, it's sort of like the repair. It's like the Tyvek, you know, like the FedEx envelope that you can't break. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that's the body breaks down that connective tissue once the tissue has been um, severed or traumatized. And then what happens is uh, the layers of fascia, fascia is a connective tissue that we have in our body and we have so much of it that um, it, it weaves between all the muscle fibers and the organs. We have so much that if you took out everything in the body, if you took out all of your organs, you took out your skeleton, peeled off your skin and took out the blood, you'd still see a 3D representation of you in fascia. Um, and there wow. are many, yeah, it's really, it's very cool stuff. If anybody's ever seen the body project, I think it's called, where they, they bring um, these, plasticized real bodies for exhibit. They're not plasticized, they're real. Um, but anyway, um, the the fascia is in many layers and creating different types of pulls. If you imagine you had hundreds of bodysuits layered over top of one another. They have to glide, but they're also connected like a net. Yeah? But they're mm-hmm. different, different, different textures. We think like... Um, like the fiber of a, a, a potato sack, right? Versus linen sheets versus, you know, silk. All different types of layers versus lace, right? Mm-hmm. And so the fascia needs to glide. And part of, a lot of that uh, is the fluid, the, the water that we drink, and also the um, cerebral spinal fluid, which drips in there. And it, but what it likes to do is stick. It gets stuck, sticky, and so it'll stick to a scar. And um, so you're a little bit stuck. Say you have an abdominal surgery. The, car, the scar goes as deep as the wound. So you have this this deep incision that we only think about the scar on the top. It goes all the way down to however deep you were punctured or cut. And so those layers of fascia are sticking to that like a sailcloth. And then the, and then if, um, because we restrict our movement because of the pain or because we've been advised not to move the area or... We just generally stop moving that area, then the, then it just keeps um, sticking more and more. So you can imagine like a pull in a sweater, it just travels. So you know you can have a scar in your abdomen and, and your toe. You don't understand what what's wrong with your toe. It can really wow. all sorts of uh, places in the body, and, and and we and that sort of segues into. Um, how much scar tissue we have in our bodies and we don't even know, for example. In right. The skull, in the skull, anybody who's had their wisdom teeth out, 
where, that, where those teeth were, you have scar tissue. And, and just uh, in the same zip code, in that very same attachment point, is where the bone in the skull, called the sphenoid, rests. And on top of the sphenoid is our pituitary gland. Behind the, the sphenoid is our pineal gland. And resting within is our brain and our eyeballs. And set behind it is our spinal cord. And so we have all of this. If you picture the sphenoid, is, it looks like a butterfly or a bat, and it's in the skull. And so if you picture a, like a monarch butterfly, you know how they have those long tails? Mm-hmm. So the tail of the wing, that's down right near where the wisdom tooth is. Okay? Mm-hmm. So you picture a wad of gum in where the tooth was, and that's your scar tissue, we can say. Well, that bone, that sphenoid bone, that attaches to every cranial bone that we have. And it's also the bone that determines how the whole skeletal system moves. It's kind of like a remote control, if you think about a PlayStation remote control or a go-kart steering wheel. It's that for the body. So now you picture that wing. It's hitched and it can't move. Like it's tethered to something. And so the whole skull has to respond to that. And so that can result in a whole bunch of stuff. Eye issues, headaches, jaw, TMJ indeed, yeah, tinnitus, troubles with swallowing, neck pain. I mean, we could go on. Shoulder pain, because it goes on, because it just, it's Jacob's ladder, ladders down the body. So what do you do for that? How do you how do you correct that? Well, that's where I started. You know, I'm like, you're not. I can't. Like, what am I supposed to do? I could see my sphenoids crooked. I can yes. see. I can see all these people's sphenoids. I can see everything that's off and where it's stuck. Well, what are we supposed to do about that? Well, let me go get a massage. Well, that feels great. But then mm-hmm. 40 hours later or a week later, I'm back to where I was, right? Or I go to the chiropractor and it feels awesome. But then, you know, 48 hours to a week later, I'm back where I was. Because the scar tissue is deep inside. So how are we supposed to get that? And that's where I went on this this journey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to get the Zamboni on the bones. <laughs> scrape, the, scrape the scar tissue off these bones so we can, we can move and be free. So... So is, okay, so scar tissue is something physical that happens to the body. Could it also be from our thoughts? Mm-hmm. Our thoughts can crystallize in the body. Our belief systems. Is, do you, have you made that connection? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So, wow. So that's why I came to the conclusion that, you know, as much work as one does on their mind, and their heart, you have to move the stuff in the body too, and vice versa. You can't just have a yoga practice, you know, not, I mean, an asana practice when I say that, because yoga is the full thing, but you can't just have an asana practice. You can't just go to yoga five times a week and, and do the sweat class and then call it done, because you have to do the work of the emotional part too, is to do them both together. And so, and so if you have, like, for example, my, one of my 
comp my confusions with me was I, I have um, I have a traumatic history but no memory of it so I didn't have a memory of it but it was residing within my body and so once I got wow. to a, yeah and so once I got to a place where I, I could get as deep as those wounds went the memories started coming back and thankfully I was in an emotional place where I could handle it. How did you recognize that you had the trauma? Well, I knew. I, I knew I did. I, you know, back in the early 90s, mid-90s, I took one of those online PTSD tests out of a psych book that there somebody put up out of their test or something, and I got uh -huh. like 32 out of 33. <laughs> uh-huh. There were, you know, there were signs, of course. I had all of these um, experiences okay. trauma and abuse and, you know, all, like you name mm -hmm. I have had it um, in my adult life. And so it had to go, but it had to be traced back. Why was I doing this? Why was, why were these mm -hmm. magnetically attracting all of these experiences, right? Yes. So, yes, to answer your question, it does. It resides in the tissue, and and in order to move the issue, you have to move the tissue. And when you move the tissue, you move the issue. Okay. Well, this is the inner work, literally the inner work, moving the tissues. All right. We're going to talk about how we can start to move the stuff in the body, yeah. the issues in the tissues. There was one more thing I wanted to talk about. Um, you mentioned as well the limited way that we learn. Yeah. So can you explain more of how you see that? Did you, Are you saying that the limited way that we learn about how the body works or something yeah, different? About the body, the human body. I mean, mm -hmm. I could go down a, diff, a few different avenues. So I'm going to talk very quickly about the limited way that we – so we learn from Gray's Anatomy. We learn from um, uh -huh. teachings in these lessons. So Gray's Anatomy, there's a couple of things that goes on here. The history of studying the human body has been done in the male body, and it's been done by men. And so there's very little uh, studies that have been done on the female body, and they've only just started. There's a great um, woman, uh, Stacey, Dr. Stacy Sims. I encourage any, any athlete to follow that woman. Um, so there's that. Restrictions of the human body to study, you know, of that. And so our movement practice of the human body is based on this study of the male body by men. And so if we go into a practice as a woman, we're practicing using a manual designed for a different machine. Mm -hmm. And then we try to stuff it, stuff ourselves into it, and we can't figure out why our hips hurt. <laughs> Right, and so the notion of weight training, weight training for women, yeah, is that is that accurate? Yeah. Well, it it depends. So it would depend, right? Because here's the thing: I have yet to find anybody who says this about movement with the body. In the this uh, this applies to the majority of our organs, but when I'm speaking specifically about the uterus, that's a honking big, strong muscle. That thing can. Yes of a watermelon. Wow. And we don't move our hips. We've got this giant elastic rubber ball in our abdomen 
And all we do is we hold it in. We hold it in. We hold it in. We hold it in. Hold it in your belly. Yes. I'll do. Mm-hmm. Don't breathe into your belly. Right. Or, or when we do, we are asked to do it, we don't know how to do it because the signal got lost. Uh-huh. Right? That's yeah. your yoga coming out, your yoga teacher training coming out. Mm-hmm. I've never liked the, the term breathe into your belly, but that's a personal thing for me because it has to do with the diaphragm and, and what have you. And that's definitely another conversation we can go down. But I'd like to finish answering your question about the teaching. Mm-hmm. Because I saw something really interesting. My son hooked me up with Reddit recently, so I've been flipping through there about 10 seconds every day as much as I can stand. But it said something about the reason that blind people have a hard time understanding um, how we write and communicate or, or um, picturing art or what have you. I can't remember what that quote was. But it's because they see the world in 3D or more, I say, or more. When we live and explain things in linear, so so when I study the body in the teachings I've taken in the past, the study is about planes of movement. And here's where I would be, I would get to a point and I'd I'd say to be saying to the instructor, not verbally but in my mind, yes, yes, yes. And then the brakes would hit on me because it stops there. We have these planes of movement. That's um, there's. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but there's the transverse, that's the rotational process. And then there's the sagittal plane, so it's like as if you were to bend forward and back. And then there's the frontal plane, if you were to bend side to side. Okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if, but, and so the study of movement has consistently been the breaking up of those three planes. And so but there's something lost when you break those planes up and you don't look at them all three together, because together they make a helix, like the DNA. But yes. when you do it singularly, they don't accommodate the helix. And so then you develop things like trigger points. Because if you look where most, what I have just, what I have come to find with my experience, when you hit a trigger point, it's where the muscles being not being allowed to move in a helical direction. Because the muscles wrap around the bones. And while the bone might look like it's moving in one plane or another, it's spinning, it's rotating, it's heat. the muscles are helixing. The one's pulling in one, you know, one direction is pulling one way and the other way. So when we think about stretching, we're oh, thinking, yeah. we're thinking about twisting, not mm-hmm. twisting, we have to think about helixing, right? Pulling long and twisting. So if you were to take your arm, and just if you were to hold it out to your side. But now instead, look at the pit of your elbow and helix it clockwise or counterclockwise, whatever, however you like. And feel everything rotate. Feel that go down your whole body. Yes. So we are doing that, yeah. <clears throat> it goes all the way into the shoulder. Right. And so, okay, I see what you're saying. So for those who don't understand these planes of movement, it's the, you know, aerobics instructors, we know the frontal, your posterior, your side. And so instead of just moving forward and back, yeah, it's the whole thing moving. I got it. Okay. But as you fold forward, your legs are internally rotating or externally rotating, depending upon whether or not you're bending your knees. So, I mean, we can get into real technical stuff, but... Okay. When you fold forward, 
allow uh, allow the helixing. Feel yourself, feel your feet helixing and rotating into the ground. Or as you come up and out, feel them spiraling up and out. Spiraling. That's a beautiful word here, spiraling. So if we really uh, embrace that and think about the spiraling of the muscles, we are that spiral. That is really cool. Yeah, that's what our DNA is. Think about the DNA. Right. That's what we're. That's what we're designed to do, and that's what the tube torus does. That's the spiraling. We are the universe in action. Indeed. Right down to our muscles. Right down to our DNA, for sure. Right down to the DNA. Okay. All right. Well, that's beautiful. So, all right. You were also talking about the third eye. And this actually, let's talk about the chakras in general and how we begin to move and breathe this area. So each chakra has an organ or group of organs or or a muscle attached to it. You know, connect manifest the manifested version of the chakra is is an organ. And so if we want to talk about the third eye, that would be the pituitary gland. And if you remember in the beginning, or somewhere near <laughs> nearer the beginning than we are now, I talked about the sphenoid bone. Yes. And, and that the pituitary gland sits on top there's a saddle. The pituit the gland, I mean I'm sorry, the bone, the pituitary the um, sphenoid bone, the one that looks like the monarch butterfly. It has a saddle on it, and the pituitary gland sits in there. And so, also in that bone, and so then if you come to the front, that's in the back of the bone-ish. And so if you come to the front of the bone, there there are sockets in there, and that's where our eyeballs are. And out to the side, that's where our ears are. If you were to put your fingers, you know, on your temples, that that hollowed part on your skull, and then you and then you drag your finger up to the top where it disappears, and there's sort of a pointy thing. That's the tip of your sphenoid bone. Say that again for us. I know everyone's got their fingers on their temples. Put your fingers. Play. Don't push in hard because you'll give yourself a headache. <laughs> on the um, temples. Don't do that. Yes. Fingers there, and you'll feel the ridge of the eye bone, right? The socket where you feel your eyes in there. That's your frontal bone. Just slide up that. You'll feel it has a little bit of a groove, a little concaviness, and then it kind of dips into a divot. Very small divot, like 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 a tiny smaller than a skittle. Is so is it from the ridge of your eye bone, yeah, your so eye socket that goes back by your ears or oh no, up? Go up. It goes up along the ridge of your eyebrow. You're staying on the temple. Just feel that squishy part of the temple. In fact, yeah. if you feel the squishy part of the temple, mm-hmm. just stay on the squishy and move to the top of the squishy part. And you'll just feel it. Maybe it feels like there's a little divot in there. Okay. That is, that's where you're, the, tip, the top of that monarch, monarch's butterfly wing is there. Okay, and then do the wings go um, across the skull? No, it, this bone is is pretty much um, in. 
in the skull. So if you really, if you want to touch the sphenoid bone, you're going to have to do it with your tongue behind your teeth. But if you've had your wisdom teeth out, you might not be able to feel it yet. <laughs> okay, so the bottom of the tail. Okay, so we're, we have the image of the monarch butterfly. The top of the wings are up there at the yeah. temple. The bottom wings are behind the the wisdom teeth. Yeah. Okay. All right. So how in the world, New yeah. Earth, <laughs> do we get this to move? How do you get that out of there? Well, it, it, it's not, it's not um, you know, there are sort of steps you have to do it. You have to pull the tissue out of, if we're talking about the scar tissue from the teeth. But, you know, we're also, we can also move the sphenoid because we've had a head trauma, right? So the bones mm-hmm. get off a little bit. Or temporomandibular jaw dysfunction, also known as TMJ. Um, so that, that can be an offset of that. So the, the way we um, access it, and the third eye, well, depends, right? So if we want to get to the third eye, the pituitary gland, we want to um, we want to do it right now. Yes, let's do it right now, because okay. we now tell us why we want the pituitary. It's obvious for some, but tell us why we want to get that pituitary gland vibrating. Pituitary gland is like the um, it's responsible for uh, maintaining. The chemicals, the hormones for our genitalia, for um, our bone and muscle regeneration. So the human growth hormone comes from there. It regulates our breast tissue. Um, oh gosh, what are some of the other things? I mean, there's a, there's a multitude of things with pituitary gland. I can't believe I'm blanking on it right now, but I think that's probably pretty good right there to hear that part. <laughs> right, and so if you're if if um if it's happy, the chakra is happy. Oh yeah, because the chakra, you know, it, the the energy of the chakra flows through that organ, and so if we want to bring the energy into our body through our chakras, which is what's going to happen, right? Then then we have to have the tissue clear, the energy, the energy, the light needs to pass through there. Plus, the pituitary gland is bathed in cerebral spinal fluid. So if you look at it like this, if you look at the pineal gland, the pineal gland, which is at the center of the skull, is shaped like a pine cone, hence pineal. Mm -hmm. And so I see it as like a crystal pine cone. And and so I see the light coming in. The the pineal gland is the crown chakra. Okay? The pineal gland has retinal cells in it, which means... Retinal cells are the cells in our eyes that let us see. Retina. Okay? So it's the same mm-hmm. to see that our eyeballs do. And so the cerebral spinal fluid encompasses, it flows around the pituitary gland, the pineal gland in the center of the skull. And I see that as collecting and reflecting all the light off of the pineal gland. But the pineal gland you know, it gets it it gets uh, junk on it, if you will, between uh, sugar and uh, fluoride. Fluoride. Mm-hmm. It gets these crustacean crustacean sort of things on, right? Like scabs, almost calcification. Mm-hmm. And so the light, when the light comes in and refracts off of the cerebral spinal fluid, it's only getting some of it. 
but to go back to the pituitary. So now that same cerebral spinal fluid is coming down and a little closer toward the front of the skull, and it's bathing the pituitary gland. So the two are in communication. That's the third eye, and then the pineal gland has the retinal cells in it. So we want to keep the third eye, the organ of the third eye, which is the gland, the pituitary gland. We want to keep it free and easy. We want to have the, the bone that it rests on move, moving, be able to move, and the muscle and tissue around it creating that flow so the cerebral spinal fluid can come in. And So the, the pituitary gland, it resembles very closely a scrotum. And so I picture the pituitary gland on its saddle as I would a scrotum on a bike saddle. And so we need to allow room for those two scrotum-like things to move and, and be bathed in the cerebral spinal fluid. So we have to rock the bone, right? So if you remember, the eyes are in the front of the bone. And so we can, we can begin to move that bone by moving our eyes. But we only move our eyes, look, we really only look down at our smart phones. <laughs> uh-huh. We stopped moving our, our eyes as much and as, as, as far as they're capable of. And when we do that, we sort of scrape underneath the third eye, kind of like getting the, the sleepy sand out of it. You know, that makes sense. Ooh. <laughs> I know everyone's saying, well, what do we do to move it in these ways? Well, we you can really just start playing with your eyeballs, right? So know that that sphenoid bone and picture the um, now picture in your mind that that go-kart thing or rather um, that PlayStation uh, controller. OK. And if you tip that controller forward, that's what's going on when we're only looking at our, our smartphones. So that's pulling our skull, everything, that way. Okay? Mm-hmm. But then there's a counterpoint to that. So to play with the eyes. So if you just, if you just, well, let's start with this. If you allow your eye, allow your eyelids to close or rest whatever's comfortable. And just imagine that your two your eyes are connected by a golden elastic thread. And just let them drop away from each other. And then feel how in the very center of where they're dropping away does one drop more than the other and can you balance the pull? Pull them toward your eyes, I'm sorry, toward your ears, and maybe pull them back toward the back of the skull. And then imagine that you're, and then rest in that place and just feel them sort of hanging there. You're going to, if it, I, I would imagine pretty much everybody listening will feel an imbalance. And play with them, knowing there's elastics in there, these tiny little muscles in there that let us do this. So don't be afraid to move it. You're going to be tugging on your sinuses. 
You're going to be tugging on your ears when you do this. Are you looking around? Okay, so as we relax the eyes, close the eyes, we see each eye fall away from the other. So towards the outside of the face, for example, and you look at the center where that they would be connected on that golden thread. In your mind's eye. Just, mm-hmm. But the vision, you want your vision to let go. Right? So okay. you don't so, so the way you're going to do that, and this is how you get into this, this is how you get into the cranial nerves, the, the 12 cranial nerves that are right behind here. It's like a control panel. The way you do that is you put yourself on a, at a lake, and you can hear the birds or the ocean, and that feeling that you get in the center of your skull when you just let go, where you can feel this buzzing, this delicious yummy tickle inside your skull. You let it happen. You let it happen inside of the eyes. And so now you're letting your second cranial nerve go. That's the one that controls those retinal retinas. It's the vision. We need to let that rest. And the eyes should feel like they can get heavier and that you can pull them apart a little more. And your body might feel like it's getting softer. I'd love to hear anyone's experiences. Please share with us in our chat box. Um, all right. A couple of things went on there. I'm, I still have my eyes closed because that's really cool. It's, it's, so it's resting the eyes and they're moving away from each other and resting And I felt something around the left side of my head, and I felt, um, or excuse me, the right side of my head, and then a left sinus area, like a pop. So that's kind of cool. So just this rest is moving that. Right? How cool is that? And so now you you have this kitty corner thing going on, right? So play with that. So now take your right eye and... Lift it up to the sky and take your left eye and drag it down towards your left hip. See if you can do it. You might not be able to do it first time. So that's in the imagination. You're just feeling. Oh, you're lifting your eyeballs. You're you're lifting your eyeballs? Oh, yeah, you're lifting your eyeball. There are muscles in there. Oh, you're literally trying to lift one eye. Okay, this is fun because as kids, we would cross our eyes and parents would say, don't cross your eyes. That was actually doing some good, wasn't it? Totally was. And so then when you start to cross one eye but look the other eye out and get really funky and creepy and then switch it, that could kind of kind of creep people out. But that is, that's flexibility. And... And remember the helix part. So take you that eyeball. So take that part of the eye where you know your pupil is, where you know your retina is, and dial it. Dial just the right one. Just take the right one and dial it to the right. You mean like an old rotary phone? <laughs> no, like you've got a, a cute um, a, a pool ball, right? Mm-hmm. Pool, no, the one with the number on it, the eight ball, right? Mm-hmm. And so get the eight. Turn, dial it so the eight looks around to your right. 
and really feel the whole eyeball spin. And how far can you dial it? Are you trying to do both eyes at once or focus on one eye? Either. Whatever works for you. Sometimes it's too much to think about both eyes. Right. So play. Wow. And, and now know you're moving that bone, right? And that's where I would go further in and we would get the tongue involved. And then we would go and we would bring, you know, we, we would just keep moving down. So if you feel, so come out of the eyes for a moment. Unless you want to go to some participants and see if they have questions before we move into that. Okay, so we're calling. If you've got a question or a comment for Carly, we'd love to hear from you. If you're on the phone, start to will it raise your hand and we can unmute you and call on you. Otherwise, share your comments in our chat box there or our Q&A box. Okay, so let's recap for everyone. So, well, we may not be able to feel that we're moving the eyes, it's the imagination that actually physically and then physically lifting the eyes behind closed eyelids and try to move them in a in that way like an eight ball turning yeah. the dial very interesting and and up and down and around right think about jim carrey and do those eyes and then do them with your eyelids open You know, and how far out can you pull your eyeball out of the socket? Oh. <laughs> okay. So thinking about, think about lion's breath. Are you familiar with the yoga posture, lion's breath? Yes. Okay. Share that's that one, for those who are not. Okay. So that's the one nobody ever wants to do because you have to open your face really wide, open the jaw really wide, pop your eyeball. Tongue out. <laughs> tongue way out. And nobody wants to do it. Right. But that's that's that is part of this is is getting okay. off the inside of the skull to stretch. That's what part of what yawns are, right? We need to pull it all out of the skull. So let's go into the tongue, because this is a fun this is really fun. Okay? Strongest muscle in the body. It's amazing, and we don't really use our tongues. Um, I I realized that mine was mine's twisted and was in the esophageal area because of of um, scarring, <laughs> a response to my scars. So um, when I would have to swallow a pill, it would get stuck sometimes, and I and then I started to be able to see that having to go around this corner. So um, so our tongues. If you uh, take your tongue, you, you know how there's a part in the middle of it? Yes. Come up come up through the center of the part, like you want to part the Red Sea, and spread the top of the tongue all along the palate, as if you wanted to spread wide open the palate, which, in fact, you can do with this move. And you'll feel when you do that, you want to breathe in. 
And so as you come up through that part and you spread the tongue, and you're going to feel where on the roof of your mouth it doesn't quite match up. And you can play it. We can play with that and try to get, you know, you're going to pull down on underneath the tongue and lift up. But but feel the inside of the, um, the tongue resting on the inside of the molars of the teeth, of the whole top row of teeth. And feel how when you breathe in and you lift and you spread, that you can breathe more into the sinuses because you're literally opening the bottom of the sinuses. Wow. The reason you want to do that is because the sinuses produce a gas that's a vasodilator. You can't get this if you breathe through your mouth. And that gas goes into the lungs and it, and it dilates the alveolar, brings more oxygen. So if you lift that tongue, spread the palate, and when you do that, now go into the throat and pull the tongue down as you lift it up to stretch the tongue. And now you'll feel you're going to get your rib cage in on it. <laughs> okay, this is yoga. This is internal yoga. Yeah, inner space. It really is. Inner space. So the tongue is... We're trying to lay the whole tongue up on the palate. You don't want to lay it. You want to lift it and you want to spread it. Like you're stretching your tongue, right? And you're stretching your tongue using... Sideways, outways. Spread it up and out. I have pictures that I would have shown you. That's, but... that's going to take some practice for all of us, I'm sure. Because we're just not used to it, you know? Nope, we're not. And, and that's the throat chakra, right? So that's... That goes into, like, swallowing things. Like, what are you swallowing that you can't digest? What are you swallowing that you don't want to swallow? <laughs> that just goes that goes right into the chakra stuff and the emotional component. How, how do you pull your tongue down? So, okay, again, this is the stretching. It's like when you're in yoga and you stretch from the inside out. So you've got the, the tongue lifting and, and spreading out, yeah. and then the tongue down the throat in yeah, the esophagus. Yeah, there we go. So it meets up with the esophagus, right? Right at the base of the throat there, right? where under the jaw, right? Where you can feel uh -huh. the tongue. Uh -huh. So the esophagus is really cool because if you were to, it's a tube, right? So if you were to look into the tube, it looks like um, it's called a lumen, which means light. Um. Um, and it looks like a flower, right? That and it's a muscle, so you can see how when the when the esophagus esophagus opens wide from the inside, how that that flower shaped inside tube would open and become, you know, a tube. You can see that, right? Yes. If you saw a garden hose, you look it's into like the a, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there were ridges in the garden hose, right? that allowed it to expand wider inside. Mm-hmm. Is that making sense? Yes. Okay. So that's looking at it being able to go wide, but it also has musculature, the esophagus does, that allows it to go long. And that's around the outside. It looks like pinstripes. So to pull the esophagus, esophagus is the tube, goes all the way through the torso and turns into your stomach once it passes through the diaphragm. So what you can do is if you put your your thumb at the bottom of 
you know, the, the rib cage has the sternum that's in the middle part where the ribs meet. If you go all the way to the bottom, there's a pointy thing. Mm-hmm. So if you go, just don't, it can, it can be a little uncomfortable, but just know. So imagine as if you were going to hold a zipper on a vest that you were going to zip up, that you're holding the bottom of the esophagus there. And just allow it, pull it down there, and you'll start to be able to pull it down from within because your, the contact from your finger will sort of give you that input. And then do the tongue. So pull down at the base. Think about this long elastic that the tongue is attached to, and you're holding the other end at the bottom side of the rib cage. And now come up through the center of the tongue. Peel it open. Come through that center part. You can separate the tongue. Those are two different sides. Peel it open and spread it. Let that spread the roof of the mouth. Feel the air come in through the nose. You might hear your stomach gurgle. The stomach might start flopping around. Mine does. And then exhale and let it, you know, just let it go. And you can feel how if you were to, if you were a yoga practitioner and you were going to go into up dog, upward dog, upward facing dog, how you could really go into a, a lift there, or if you were going to go into a back bend of any kind. But you could even do that if you were going to be in all, on all fours and you were going to go into the cow part of cat-cow. Is this making sense? I hope. Yes, it's such a subtle awareness that is going to take practice for those who are not familiar. So I would like to see if anyone would like to, we don't have any callers who want to share yet or ask you a question. Um, All right. So when you do, when you work with people and you do personal sessions, is, are you helping them do this sort of thing? Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's a little bit of everything, right? Because with that comes the whole, the whole human experience. So I do the guided meditation, um, bring them to a state uh, where they can feel it, and then I can see it and feel it with them, and I guide them through it in a meditate, more of a meditative state. And as I make adjustments and changes, they work with me. And then what happens when you do it that way, when you participate in the change, it stays because you develop a memory or you recognize a memory that you don't want in there, <laughs> right? You start to put things together like, oh, I see. When, I, when, I, when I'm having that emotion or that thought, that's mm-hmm. that thing. Oh, I just realized I'm clenching that particular spot on my body. So instead of it being your hip problem, you start to see, oh, I see. That's like the, those fibers right there on my abdominus or on my pectineus, you know, you yes. get really pinned down. Instead of it being a hip problem, you get to find out that it's this history in your mind and, and it lives right here in this tiny little spot. So then we go into the spots and we open them up a little differently than we've been doing here right now. Okay, uh, I do think this is inner space yoga. It is really cool. And the thing about it is it's this, it's emotional debris then, um, as you said, like triggers. Yeah. Um, so what, when you, 
share some stories like when you work with your clients then um revelations that they've had revelations that they've had <laughs> a Any lot of ones that come to mind that stick out yeah um there was some there was, there was one person that remembered her when i was working on one area that her that was where her brother used to poke her <laughs> but um but traumatic events do show up but those the way that the session runs with me is i don't get involved with the um with what actually comes up we talk about what can and we process more the emotion instead of the event if that makes sense right the energy of the emotion all right yes. so if she was um jabbed by her brother and she's got that tightness, that fascia that's tight in her body and yeah. preventing this movement. What was the emotion for her around that? Well, I, it would be her story, right? So it would probably, you know, it's stabbing in the back or whatever, whatever the, cons, the, the um, experience of growing up that would put you in that environment. You know, doesn't, was he kidding or was that something else? <laughs> an annoying brother. <laughs> yeah. And then what happens to that scar tissue is other stuff collects on it. You get this whole lifetime of emotional debris stuck to this one stupid thing your brother used to do. <laughs> yes. That's very simple. That's a really simple um, example of, of something that really is, is typically more uh, challenging for people to deal with. Yes, and again, uh, the point to make is that it could be something so simple as that that we're not even aware of. Well, I can. But tell yet you, we're carrying. Exactly. I'm gonna. I'll tell you one of my stories because I I actually feel more comfortable sharing my own than other people's. Sure. Yeah. Uh, is that I had to? I began drinking more water. Right. I needed to drink more water, and. I then uh, I, I I play I have a trapeze at home and I highly advise a lot of people to get one but I I invert every day multiple times a day and when I was working with this adding more water to my um, life I had to get into a position and I was able to get into a position finally that I was never able to get into that involved the the attachments to my pubic bone where I have lots of scar tissue. Where a lot of women do, um, you know, C-sections, um, you name it, and attached when that unraveled, I was upside down. I will never forget this. I was upside down, and I was able to get my pelvis to do something that I've been looking. I can see it in my mind, but I know it's stuck. And I was able to peel it. And as soon as I peel it, I could see because the water came in of my into my life and my practice. My bladder had to expand. And and what came back was an experience that I had when I was very young, and I had already had these scars in my abdomen because I had had hernias, and I was on a long car ride with my mother, my family, and I was sitting between two of my sisters, and I had to pee, and my and I told her, and and her response was to hold it. Mm-hmm. I had to keep. I kept asking, and she wouldn't let me. She wouldn't stop. And so I, I think the car ride, if I remember, it was like an hour and a half long. And I was little. I think I was four or five. 
and so there so what came with that like so now fast forward 50 years and now attached to that event because when we got home I couldn't get out of the car I couldn't move my bladder froze so all that tissue just you know it just contracted because that car ride represented my mother not giving me what I needed mm. not not being a mother <laughs> my the fear of peeing on my sisters the fear of the repercussion of peeing in the car mm-hmm. and and what would come with that so it's not just the one event it's everything that's in your mind and the environment and when it happens so i went so i went through 50 years of having issues with my bladder and my kidney and all of this other scar tissue there's other scar tissue in there besides just that so there's more to it than that but but all of that unraveled as i took as i un, as i drank the water and moved the tissue that was surrounding my my bladder it was held, being held like in a vice if you will Wow. Oh, that is amazing. And to hear your story of how you moved and just the simplicity of it. It it, it catches it on both sides. Not only is it such a simple, your mom certainly was not aware of the trauma that she inflicted. And this goes for all parents. We're just you know, I think that scared me the most as a parent. It's like, wow, we can do the littlest things <laughs> and harm our children. But on the flip side, too, the way that the water, the magical water, allowed that to move and allowed you to release it and expand and be aware. So when that moved and you were in your yoga trapeze practice, could you, you weren't aware of that when it was going on, but the memory is what surfaced. Yeah. Yeah. And that was an aha moment. It was vivid. The memory was so, I was in the car. It was there. I was there again. You were in the car. Now, did you, because sometimes, okay, this is this awareness of our body. Did you feel anything like a, in the pit of your stomach? That, did, you, did those feelings just come rushing back? And how did you handle that? No, those feelings, I knew them well cause, because, you know, they became my identity. Uh-huh. <laughs> was, I knew all those feelings. They were, they were my identity. Mm-hmm. That was not an aha of, of, of oh, there, though. It was just, oh, that's where that came from. That's where that came from. <laughs> One of the many places, right? Because, because you remember, um, the restricted movement, it's collecting stuff like a like a, a net dragging on the bottom of the ocean. That scar tissue, that's the fascia that's stuck, it can't glide. And water, um, as Gil Headley, one of my um, idols, somebody I idolize, says that water is the call is the call to movement. Meaning, um, when the water, w- when we move, I'm sorry, movement is the call to water. When we move, that fascia that I was saying needs to glide, it comes out and it takes a sip from the tissue out there and then it comes back in, right? So if we're not drinking enough water, our tissue can't move. So it gets landlocked, 
right? So that's another way that we can create scar tissue is we can eat a lot of sugar and um, not move. And, the, and you can guarantee your fascia is going to stick. All right. Um, cheers on water, everyone. I know we're not just the only ones taking a sip of water right now. That's the importance of hydration and the movement. Okay. <laughs> oh. Because um, you, you only drink and you don't move. That's like pour, It's like dumping water on packed dirt. Mud. Not even. Can't get in, right? It can't get in. Yeah, you got to move it. You got to move it. It's got to come out, take a drink, go back. Uh, and you know, this is where um, Tai Chi, Qigong yeah. also help yeah. this body in that way. All right. Let's go to our caller. I'm going to go to, we have someone. Uh, in Pompano Beach, Florida, area code 954. It says Mary. Is this Mary? Yes. Hi. Hi, Mary. Well, hey, welcome. Hi. You've got Carly. Would you like to ask a question or share hi. a comment? Yeah, I, I'm amazed at um, all the information. It's just like, you know, we're just, we're being trained to be transhuman, basically. It's cutting out the, the whole human part and becoming just these linear machines. But um, my question was, and yeah, I am amazed at her knowledge. It's wonderful. The um, does the body hold? And it must. It holds a like a primitive atavistic knowledge of what it was programmed to be, what it truly is. Right? The body has a consciousness of what its its true being really is. Its true expression. Yes. And is there a way to bypass all the physical having to peel back every layer because that's just almost daunting when you think about it is there a way to go right into it and wake that part up from you know the very basic where the body consciousness is and then just kind of like you know move it forward meet it in the middle rather than starting on our end and trying to peel it back that is a great question Mary um the answer is yes, there is. <laughs> um, well, first of all, one of my one of one of my purposes in life, what I want to do, is figure out how I can uh, accommodate that for people, uh, because I do. I I see I see so much pain walking down the street. People, I I see it everywhere I go, and there are times like, oh my goodness, how there's so much, how am I going to, I can't help everybody. Like, what are we going to do as humanity, right? How, how are we going to get out of this? And so um, part of that for me is I'm working diligently to figure out how I can, I can accommodate as much as I possibly can for people as they go through this. And I'm learning as I go. We all are, right? Um, and what I have learned about that that m might answer your question on how, how can you do it, right, is, um, is first get, um, get to know your body and love her. So what that meant for me was um, looking in the mirror and accepting, and but also sitting in meditation. And you'll be able to do this more so now that, that things are opening is invite your light body in 
They, they, they can't come in without you asking. So you have to, any, any um, of, your, of your guides, you have to ask. And so, in the, in, you know, whatever you ask, you'll receive. So, so ask your light body to move in with you. And ask her to give you signals and signs of, you know, what do I, you know, show me what I need to do. What do I need to pay attention to? And, and they will. So there's that part. The other part is it, ha- it has to do with forgiveness. And, and as soon as you can for- we can forgive it, we can let it go. So if we forget, if we can forgive um, the things that have caused the trauma in our body, we have to forgive the whole, the whole of it, the person, the event. And we have to, I look at it when I did my forgiveness, I was working on it a genetic level, um, ancestral, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you work and cleanse the ancestral DNA, then it's sort of like dominoes. And you just begin healing really, really fast. Okay. So um, this hypnosis work, I know I've seen people make really um, incredible changes to the body through hypnosis. Could you like, and I used to do like three hours of yoga every day for a long time, and then I had to quit, and I had some injuries, and I just kind of froze up. And... Um, I'm thinking, well, wouldn't my body remember what it was like at the peak condition? Couldn't I get, you know, do some hypnosis and bring that right back into expression? Well, I can't answer that. I don't know enough about hypnosis. For me, me personally, um, and really, this is really my personal, I have control issues. (laughs) Have what? I have control issues. Oh, and so yeah. me, if I'm going to change something inside my body, it's, I, I'm the one that has to do it. <laughs> okay. But I can't, I, I don't know enough or anything really about the hypnosis part. But what I can tell you is we all have what's called our divine blueprint. It's, a, it's our perfect representation of ourselves. Mm-hmm. It, it is us. And we can access that. And when we access, when we can call in and access our divine blueprint, then we can start to move through that faster. It's the same as in, almost as in what I was saying earlier, as inviting in your light body. Mm-hmm. Access, access and activate your original divine human blueprint. And that's, by the way, it's, it's in your heart. It's scrolled up. Your heart, your heart is a tube, and it's and it's twisted up like a scroll, literally. So you the blueprints or the hearts. Your heart, and, and your blueprints in your heart. And so our heart, when we open it, we, we can physically unravel. We can unravel the blueprint. So if you do a lot of heart-centered work and call in and forth your blueprint. Just call it in and forth. You, you can do invocations. We have the freedom codes. They've been, they're in us. They've been deposited. Oh, I see. Yeah, but we have to activate them. 
And if your heart um, opens up, does it stay open, or is that like a movement where it closes and opens, or does it stay open once you get to that point, unrolled, unscrolled? Well, I think um, that's a good question, and maybe for the divine human, the answer is yes. (laughs) But that's also part of our our journey here is to Mm -hmm. begin to recognize when we're closing it, when we're not accessing our true blueprint. And we're not, you know, and then remembering how to unroll it. Just like we know, we, we have to remember that, you know, we can unravel our tongue and open our throat and open our chakras that way. We have to just keep reminding ourselves that we forgot, but we can. And it's there. That's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, well, thank you for all of this, all this work you've done. It's, you know, it's, it's just beautiful to see another another viewpoint of physical culture, you know, how to work with the body. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad. I love what thank I you. really love it. All right. Well, thank, you know, you raised so many questions that it's like it's hard just to have one or two because I haven't thought it all through yet. But well, thank I you have, for <laughs> I don't know. Loren, I don't know if, uh, if Loren wants me to mention... On on Friday, I think tomorrow's Friday. I'm 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 having a um, it's called a damn good face, head, and neck massage uh, online class. So I'll talk to Loren about a little later at the end, I guess, about other things I have coming up for you to stay in contact if you have more questions. Well, uh, thank you. yes, thank you, Mary. Well, Carly, that sounds wonderful. Maybe we can add that class to your special offer. Well, actually, what I was thinking of adding to the special offer was um, um, a, a series, maybe a, of two, where we open the heart-brain connection. Mm. And then we would yes. do what we just did. Um, because the faith, I'm, I don't know, we can we can definitely, um, oh, I see what you're saying to the, oh, yes. Sorry, I got confused. <laughs> it's okay. No, let's talk about what your special offer is. This is a great way for people to work with you. You are their guide. You can help them activate things. You work with them. Um, Kara Goss is listening on our YouTube channel and says your sessions are amazing. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit. And we'll we'll flesh out this uh, idea that we're adding on the fly here. But your special offer is a personal session. You've got a couple of beautiful bonuses. These are really interesting, you know, because we all want to know how we can create portals. So that's one thing. And this is invocation for portals. Um, But really the primary thing is this personal time with you, the one-on-one time with you. So share with us a little bit about what you do there because this is these are remote sessions. You can do it all across the world for people. So what happens in a session? Well, um, it's funny because I used to have a brick and mortar, so these sessions were mainly in my office. In person. So here we are. Now I had to move everything I do online. And um, so a session would be a video call, and we would, you know, have a conversation about challenges in your body that you're having. And uh, I would work with you. I I can feel things in your body when you're experiencing them and I would uh bring you into a meditative state and 
and just guide you into those places. And we work together, you know, with your feedback. What does that feel like? Okay, now do, you know, do this with your, with your, you know, your tongue or your ear or your elbow, <laughs> depending upon what we're working on. I've had some clients uh, where we uh, work on the floor. So it really depends on what you have um, that's challenging you in that moment. Yes. Uh-huh. So it can go in many directions and um, go very deeply, certainly to learn some of those skills about how we get in and do that inner space work. Beautiful. All right. So that is a personal session. What about the other, this recording that you have and the PDF? So the recording is uh, how to create a nourishment chamber. Uh and so it's a recorded meditation, but you don't have to do the meditation every time you want to um, experience it because that meditation itself sort of teaches you how to make, I call it a nourishment chamber. I kind of like pods and portals. I, I like those mm. words. They're really mm-hmm. good. And, and so in this meditation, the nourishment chamber, you're seated at the table before you're about to eat. And then we go through a series of of in, inner space movements that open up this the portal for your food, similar to what we just did now, but a little more in depth. And also knowing that those movements, when, when we're moving the tongue and the esophagus and, and what have you, we're stimulating the, the ner- part of the nervous system that's the rest and digest phase. It's the part that we forget, we leave out, and we shove food down our throat, and then we run out the door. Um, there's a there's a phase our body needs to have in order to digest, and it begins when we sit down. Actually, it begins when we when we start cooking and preparing our food. And so this um, meditation helps to stimulate that part of the autonomic nervous system. And and then what you can do is you can um, just invoke that particular chamber. So for example, today I was rushed and I didn't have a chance to eat my breakfast the way I normally do, and I had about half the amount of time. And so I just called out and I invoked a nourishment chamber and boom, you know, I was on a picnic table. I had birds around me. I was in a vacuum. I couldn't hear anything but the birds. And my digestive system said, hello. <laughs> so you, so that's what that is. It's teaching you how to create an environment to um, let your body take the, the nutrients in and assimilate it the way it needs to so it can convert you into light body. And, and then the PDF is the transpirational. Is that the one you're asking about, Lauren? The transpiration. Um, the invocations. Yes. Yeah. So those those are just those are invocations that I wrote when I was um, when I began my journey. I was I've been studying with Sandra Walter and a bunch of uh, several other, including Kara, who I love. Um, <laughs> Hi, Kara. <laughs> those. Um, invocations are just ones that I wrote um, when I was going through my process that I would repeat every morning or throughout the day, depending upon what they were. So I shared mm-hmm. with people and how to create the portals, which is you know what that nourishment chamber is. Beautiful. Yeah, so a good teaching there, some really good wisdom coming out. Um, and we'll talk about your upcoming class because that could be something that we can have available so stay yeah. tuned to our special offer page and look for those updates 
Yeah, because that, okay, that other class that we're talking about was Friday, is tomorrow, is a, um, the head, face, and neck, and I'd be happy to um, have people come on as guests if they'd like. Okay, say that again. It's a head, neck, and... Oh, da- a damn good head, neck, and face self-massage class. <laughs> a damn good head, neck, and face massage class. All right, so on the fly, we are adding that in to Carly's special offer. That sounds really cool as well. And the techniques that you've shared with us today will be expanded in that workshop and allows everyone to really experience it even more. So thank you for that. We'll make sure that for people who take you up on this special offer and get a personal session, that they get the info for that event as well. Will that be recorded if they can't join live? Yep, that's going to be a crowdcast event. Excellent. So you'll get the recording too. And uh, that is a really nice offer that allows people to really get you, your work into their lives and um, make these changes, make this movement uh, and this transformation. Because as we, as we do this, like you say, we call in, invite the light body in and It's got to be purified. The body has to be purified of these memories and of this trauma. And these techniques that you've given us are ways that we can really do that inner space work on a physical level. Exactly. Exactly. Zamboni the bones. Zamboni the bones. (laughs) (laughs) That phrase is so cute. Now, Zambonis, we know, are the ice they go and they go over the ice rinks to smooth them over again and to make everything glide smoothly. And that's what you're doing with this process. I love that phrase. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Zamboni the bones. All right, beautiful. Carly, this has been a beautiful experience with you today. I want to go for a few questions before we let you um yes out of here today. Here we have Annette. Annette says, what can I do to help my eyes? They've been itching for a month. Not sure if it's just allergies or emotions or uh, emotions of not wanting to see different things in my life or world. Do you have any comment for Annette? Well, um, I know when, so is this a live? Can I ask another question that she could go back or is that just... Uh, Annette, if you're still listening and you're still with us, sweetie, go ahead and respond in that chat box. Yeah, and if she is, is she sneezing too or is it just itchy eyes? Are you sneezing, Annette, or is it just itchy eyes? All right. There's other questions if we want to wait for her to reply. Let's wait for her to reply. Do you need to wait for her? No, I can start answering and then we can just, we'll... Okay. add in her response, respond to her response. Um, so when I, when my eyes were itching uh, a while ago, I w- it was when I was really going through a transformation, um, when my body was really making a big shift. So what I would suggest, a, a few things actually. One, um, do the exercises that we were doing today um, and really think about spreading your eyes out. In fact, that class tomorrow um, might be a really good uh, thing for you to check out. Um, so incre- increase your water and open 
the space between the eyes by rolling them around and trying to move that sphenoid bone. Um, and also, <laughs> uh, what I suggest for absolutely everybody is to begin sneezing through your nose. <laughs> because Why is that? <laughs> because I mean, because we normally go hachoo and it comes yeah. through our mouth. So sneeze through your nose. Are you? Is it like when people stifle a sneeze and they go, we're not yeah. holding it in. Yeah. How do you sneeze through your nose? Yeah. Do you have a dog? Oh, yes. He goes, hmm. okay. Yeah, that's All what you right. want to do. And here's why. Um, a few things, actually. First of all, when you sneeze and it comes out your mouth, um, a lot of that becomes airborne through your spit. Yes. When you sneeze and it goes in through your nose, it might come out, but it's stuck. And it can't go anywhere because it's stuck in snot, which then fossilizes. <laughs> and so whatever we were sneezing out, we're not sharing it with everybody. So that's one reason. The other reason is when you sneeze through your nose, remember that bone that looks like a butterfly? Mm-hmm. Picture the wings of the butterfly when the wind comes up from underneath. And so that whole bone lifts and stretches, and all of the sutures in the cranium, they get a little bit of a nudge, like tectonic plate movement. So all the bones in the skull get a, get, get a stretch, if you will, and they can reset. At the same time, what you're also doing is you're wafting open. We don't have just a sinus behind our bones with multiple sinuses back there so you picture like all these slimy balloons right and when you let that sneeze come up and through there it's like blowing up all those balloons and so then all the junk that's in there if we have sinus infections or itchy eyes or 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 just whatever stuff stuck in there or deviated septums then we give it new life and it can come out and then that gas that i was talking about that's produced in the sinuses it opens the airways into the lungs, will we get more of that? Excellent. So All right. You do need to, um, the first few times, several times, make sure you have your tissues or, or hangies around because it's a messy thing. But but you do get to, when you start doing it, it's fun. And you get you start to learn how to direct it. And remember that an or, um, a sneeze, is an orgasm for the head. It literally is. Look it up. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. It's a really good thing for the head to have. <laughs> uh, this brings to mind some gross bodily habits that move prana. <laughs> a sneeze definitely moves prana. Yeah. It definitely does. And there's some other bodily functions that move prana too, but that is not for our uh, consumption right now because it's kind of gross. <laughs> but anyway, all right. Okay, good. Well, thank you so much. So you've got a beautiful special offer. We invite our uh, listeners to check that out. Uh, it is on this webpage. Please, if you want to work with Carly, if you want this assistance and this guidance, that is there for you. Beautiful sessions with her for you to witness this within yourself. Okay, here is another question coming up. I, um, what is peristalsis? 
Um, I don't know what peristalsis is. I might have to Google that. But we have a comment coming in that says, OMG, peristalsis going. So I think that's a good thing. Uh, another comment is when I was spreading the tongue on the palate, I had very strong tension in the back of my head, the yeah. occipital area. How can I release this? Oh, you are, dear. You are. That's what you're doing. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, that's very cool. The um, Behind the tongue, on the front of the spine, if you picture like a piece of, of um, duct tape, right? And you put it at, at the coming out of the skull, all the way down the front, like tape, all the way down the front of every vertebrae. It's called the anterior longitudinal ligament. And so when you're pulling like that with the tongue, you're, you're dragging the front of the spine. And so if you have neck issues, um, uh, tension at the base of the skull there, you're, you're tugging on the, the occipital bone, the bottom, the bottom um, bone in the skull. And so you're pulling on the dura mater inside the skull. And you're also pulling on the tissue, the muscle on the outside. And, and that's why if you have ne a lot of neck pain and you go and you get your neck massage, it doesn't stick because you have to get the other side of the spine. So you're pulling all of that tissue down and out. It's wonderful. And, and you might, if you were to lay on the floor and do it, you might feel your head roll, your body move, and just sort of go with it. Pull and pull in two different directions. Find the center of it and pull in the other direction too, if that makes sense. So, like, if you're feeling that pull um, right at the opening of the skull, and you're pulling down with the back of the tongue, and you're using that esophageal pull, like that, you know, like that zipper on the on the vest. Well, now find the find that spot at the base, at the top of the tongue, and the base of the skull, and pull in the other direction. So you're going in two different directions. And, and what happens? And then you can mess around and, and try to, like, roll roll everything from there. Roll the tongue around to the left, its entire length. Roll your head in the other direction. See what happens. Remembering the tongue goes to the top of the, of the mouth, the roof of the mouth. That tethers to the teeth. It helps with that pull. Fascinating. Thank you. Okay, here's another question. With your process, Carly, when releasing trauma, is it possible to release big trauma in a first session? Uh, with me? Oh, uh, is it possible to release? I think it's possible to release anything you're ready to release. You know, that's, that's um, anything's possible, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. So there's your answer. Okay, beautiful. And here is another question. How can we access a particular physical issue? Mine is calcific tendinitis in my rotator cuffs. And how can we utilize your knowledge for this? Well, um, it would be, of course, I'd need more information. Um, but... How would I do that? So anything related to the shoulder, I'm going to look at your breath. The, the entire body is a mechanism of breath. Everything in our muscle, is, in our body is designed to help us breathe. So if we have something that's not working, 
then our breathing is not is not at its maximum capacity. When it comes to the shoulder, that's a dead giveaway for me because the shoulder, everything, the complex of the shoulder rests on the rib cage. So even if the injury begins in the shoulder, then it's resting on the rib cage and creating stress there. So I would, I would, if if I had um, a shoulder issue, which I did, I would begin to work on everything involved with the rib cage, the intercostal muscles, the pec, pec major, pec minor, all of the um, extensor muscles in the back, and try to get my my fingers in between all the ribs and separate all the ribs and get the diaphragm moving. Um, and then, and then as far as the shoulder, again, that's that helix, right? So if you've got a calcification in there, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to walk the line here because then we go into spiritual, uh, the, the working with crystals, is I would work with crystals here. Um, and, and I personally, I, I have something that I make. It's called Lumen Dust, and it has crystals in it. So I sprinkle it on in, in my body. I'll put it like in my navel or wherever I need it to work. And so working with the crystals, and if you were so inclined to use tuning forks or bowls, because with bone calcifications, you really need to work vibratory, right? We need to, um, we need to move it. So the crystals help us do that. And then I would begin with helical movements, remembering that the shoulder is a ball and socket. And so bring your, I'd bring your arm in a really comfortable place and have you experience what it feels like to turn the doorknob of your shoulder and what happens. Where does it feel like there's a sock in the door? And then, and then do that with your breath and time your breath with your movement and begin to play like taffy. Feel where it sticks, feel where you can pull maybe with your tongue. Tongue's going to be involved with this. If you've got an issue with your um, shoulder, then your traps are involved and the traps are fed by one of the cranial nerves. They're the only big body muscle. The, um, there's two muscles, the upper trap and the FCM, sternocleidal mastoid, which attaches to the clavicle, the other one to the scapula. That's the 11th cranial nerve. And so um, that's going to be uh, in that wiring behind the eyes where we were working with the sphenoid bone. I hope I didn't just go too off. For me, that makes sense, but that might have sounded tangential to somebody. Yes, but- it's it's just fascinating information. This is Cutting edge, really. It's cutting edge. It is well, cutting edge. It's inner space yoga. Yeah, yeah. I would work. I would work on the tongue with rolling the inside of the shoulder there, and 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 with the breath. Start to really go inside and feel. What are you doing when you're moving? What are you not doing with your tongue? That's that's actually a good bit of advice for that for the uh, person with the with the um, shoulder issue. What do you mean, what are you not doing with your tongue? Well, so when you bring your tongue up to the roof of your mouth, you can feel Uh, it's uneven, right? And then if you go through that whole tube all the way down, where is that tube twisting? Okay. Not touching the roof. And how can you lift up? Maybe it's the one side of the tongue, probably, because it's going to be a helical move, right? Yes. And so whatever side that shoulder issue is, my guess would be the other side's tongue is challenged to maybe push the inner molars away from the center of the mouth, you know, to flatten that side, to stretch that side, give that right side of the tongue a big cat stretch. 
Mm. Thank you. Okay. Well, we hope that was helpful for all those questions that came in. Carly, this is interesting and amazing. Thank you for sharing this wisdom, this uh, wisdom that was actually, that came through all of your research with massage therapy, your experience with yoga and all of it. And understanding that and seeing how you've made change in bodies by working it and working with the fascia and these tips that allow us to activate these freedom codes. As we wrap up our show, uh, you did mention that we have to activate these freedom codes. How do we do that? I just call for them to be activated. What I do is I um, I call, I end the um, enslavement loops. I call to end the enslavement loop program and activate my freedom, freedom codes. Hallelujah. Yeah, because you just have to ask for it. <laughs> I mean, they're in there. They've been given to us. They're sitting and they're waiting. And so um, if you look at it like a program, a computer programming, the, the, the enslavement codes are on a loop. And so if you, if you were to write a computer program, if you wanted to end the loop, you'd say end loop. Or I think you can say kill, but I prefer saying end loop. Right? Yes, end loop. I like that. Yes, end loop. End loop. And then, mm. and then you have to run the next program. If you were to run a computer, right? Then you want to run it. So I would end the loop of the enslavement codes and run the activation codes. We're doing that now. Yeah. End the enslavement codes and activate the freedom codes. Yeah. Okay, everybody. Activate yourself. Activate. Activate. Remember that your fascia, remember that 3D representation of you, that fascia, it carries droplets of cerebral spinal fluid. That stuff's called liquid gold. And that's, that's like the... I see it as glitter from the universe through our body. And so we want to keep it hydrated, keep it moving, and get that, get that running through the body. And then you activate those freedom codes, and you're going to start being able to stretch in ways that you haven't before. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Carly Vernon. You have given us some beautiful tips to transition into light body and actually move our bodies in whole new ways, connected on such deep, deep levels, in subtle ways, releasing the debris, the emotional debris, the trauma, and and bringing in that golden flex of light. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for being here. As we say goodbye I just want to thank you for your time and and at the time of our world right now are you optimistic? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I am I am highly optimistic. I can feel I feel it coming. I see it coming. We're shifting. What was gone, it's been dismantled and now we're anchoring heaven here now. All of us. That's what we're doing. And it begins with you and your body. So enjoy the journey, everyone. And if you would like to work with Carly in a personal session and that class, 
damn good head, neck, face massage, as well as the nourishment chamber and the invocations for portals PDF that is available for you. Carly, thank you so much. This has been amazing and fascinating. Thank you, Lauren. This was fun. <laughs> thank you, too. And have a beautiful day. Thank you so much, Carly Vernon. Too. Namaste. Namaste. All right. Well, if you feel like moving your body in new ways, um, then you can join us right now as we dance our way to the cosmic heart. This is just a little bit of fun as we move our body and really free ourselves and activate those freedom codes. Thank you all for being here. Have a beautiful day.
we leave you now with music from the universe. Music literally created by the universe as musical notes were assigned to mathematical equations. The result is this beautiful music available at AcousticHealth.com. Namaste. The conference is now completed. Goodbye.